Today I want to share a question that can literally save your life if you're married. If you're not married, something to think about if you ever do get married, or maybe it's for you to share with somebody else in their own relationship. I want to share the story, though, of Juan Perez. He was in the Army, serving in Korea in the late 80s, playing a football game, and two men tackled him, and they broke his back. He was taken to the hospital immediately. He stayed there for three weeks. They said he would never walk again. He would go on to say his L5, his S1, they were completely shredded. And the doctors repeated again after MRIs and x-rays, you'll never walk again. Juan Perez said, I have news for you, doctor. God has something to say about this. He shared that he went home that night and prayed this prayer. If you are the powerful God of the Bible, I'm asking you to perform in me the same miracles you did for people in the Bible. I then called the nurse. I asked her to take the bed straps off me. She said, I will, but don't do anything strange. You cannot leave that bed. I told her I won't fall. I just want to walk across the hall. I got my legs off the side of the bed, stood up, and started walking. The nurse yelled, what are you doing? Suddenly, everyone was in an uproar. We'll continue with his story in a minute, but the next verse we've been looking at these last several weeks, Psalm 91, verse 13 says, You shall tread upon a lion, the cobra, the young lion, and the serpent or dragon in the King James. Notice there are four creatures or animals here. There's the lion, the cobra, the young lion, or the serpent, and the dragon. As Charles Ellicott, 1800 theologian, said, These are used, no doubt, emblematically for various obstacles, difficulties, and dangers which threaten life. Let's start with the first one mentioned here by David. You shall tread upon the lion. Should bring to mind 1 Peter 5.8, where Peter says, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking to who he may devour so it applies to the devil it also applies just broader than that you think about lions powerful intimidating uh, you can hear their roar from miles away so these are big problems is what david says dangerous problems even deadly problems the the challenge here in our culture people look at situations in the world and they think you know what can be done well we're going to look at some things that can be done here today for our life for our community for our country let's start with something you know in regards to the great awakenings of the past we see a lot of lion problems in our day and i'm sure we have lion problems in our personal lives let's look at some things though have that happened in our culture over the last few centuries here uh, you know, if you go back in the United States, we've had basically three great awakenings. Some would say there's been four. The first one was in 1700s, and that's where we read about men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. But what is a revival? Well, in New England, there were 300,000 people when this revival started. 50,000 became believers in Christ in a two-year period. This is right before the Revolutionary War. Then you go to the Second Great Awakening. That moves up to about the 1840s. That's where you hear about men like Charles Finney. Uh, this is the days of the Wild West, you know, camp meetings, sawdust floors, preachers that rode from town to town on horseback to share the gospel. Again, thousands and thousands of people gave their life to Christ. And, and out of this great awakening, the abolitionist movement to ban slavery was born. Then there's the third great awakening. Again, 1857 to 1859 began in New York with Jeremiah Lanfear started a prayer meeting. It was small, but then it exploded after the stock market crashed. In six months, 10,000 people joined that prayer meeting. Again, what does revival look like? Well, in two years, one million people gave their life to Christ. That's revival, a, a massive just outpouring of God's grace, people repenting, turning to God. 
And again, some people do talk about a fourth great awakening that started in the 70s up until about 2000. This is where we hear terms like the Jesus movement. And here's something, though. I want to share a question from Michael McCartney, who says this. Could it happen again? Could we have another Jesus movement, another spiritual breakthrough, another awakening? Or are the best days of America behind us spiritually? You know, we all understand that, yes, of course, we can have that revival. But it's going to take people standing up in their faith and walking that faith out, not surrendering to you know, temptations and sins and doubts and upsets. Let's move on to the next one here. You shall tread upon the cobra. You know, we had a garter snake in our yard just a few weeks ago. What was interesting to watch is depending on how close you got, he could change the color of his skin and he would do it and match the dirt. And if you didn't know he was there, you would not have been able to find him. And so we all understand snakes, you know, they are hard to see. They, they are certainly able to surprise us. The cobra being mentioned here, of course, is venomous. So these are dangerous, toxic things that poison our life. And David says you have authority over that. The lion's the big deadly problem. The cobra here represents the toxic things, the poisonous things in life. But let's talk about how people handle the toxic things in life. Number one thing that people do when they are stressed out is they watch more television. Now, certainly, I'm sure there's plenty of times and we all just need to wind down and, and you turn on television. That's that's fine. But people turn to television to avoid and distract and they never then address the problems. There's no answers in that. Where are the answers? You know, Peggy Joyce Roos said with certain problems, there is a warning. Lions roar, rattlesnakes rattle, cobras flare their hoods. The most profound tools against these warnings is preventative prayer. You know, the metaphor is true, though. People face life, and they're on Niagara Falls, and they wait till they reach the falls. They have no oar, and then they ask for help. You know, that's when it's basically just almost too late. You know, you know the waterfall is there, so do something a mile ahead to make the change. You know, people wait till they're signing divorce papers and say, maybe we should have tried something different. You know, it's time to look at our culture, look at our own lives and say we can see where things are going personally as a country, what things need addressed. So begin to pray about those things now, begin to be the example now, begin to be the witness now. Deepak Chopra said it well, beliefs matter, even when those beliefs are totally subjective. We all believe the stories we tell ourselves. This story begins with the messages our parents send in childhood. You know, some people's story is, you know, things will never work out for me. And that story may be what needs to change in your life and my life today to say, here's my new story. I can trample on the lions and the cobras and the serpents because of who I am in Christ. Beliefs matter. And, and again, beliefs that are based upon the truth of Christ are way different than the beliefs being put through in so many voices today. Let's talk about how much beliefs matter, looking at some medical examples. Again, you, we can't deny what takes place when we're looking at things from a, a standpoint of medical examples here. Very big studies have been done. For instance, University of Texas Medical School, school they asked two questions of open-heart surgery patients. And the idea here is that you know there's a lot of danger that first six months after open-heart surgery and even you know could be fatal. And so they came up with two questions, and here are the two questions, and if people answered these two questions, stunning results if they answered positive. Two questions, do you participate regularly in any social group? 
And number two, do you draw strength and comfort from your religion or spiritual faith? For those people that said yes, chance of dying in the next six months after the surgery, less than 5%. For people that said, no, I don't have any faith, that number, people were dying at a rate over 25%. Beliefs matter. Brings us back to Juan Juarez. He shared this. After he got up and walked, they sent me to Japan to confirm that I did indeed have a fractured back. There was a nerve surgeon from the Navy when I gave him my x-rays. He looked at them and said, where is this soldier? I said, it is me, sir. He replied, do not play games with me. Whoever these x-rays and MRI belong to could not possibly walk. Yet here I was walking. You see, that's the difference in the story that says, I believe in Christ. I believe I've got the authority in prayer. I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow versus a belief system that changes moment to moment based on where culture is moving in the fears and the doubts and the upsets. You know, we live in a culture where one in six Americans is on psychiatric drugs. These are things that we can see changed and healed but it has to come from a place of authenticity and faith and believing the promise that you can overcome even a thing like depression, which is a simple picture in scripture being painted, whatever that lion is in your life. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's losing a job, but to know the victory in Christ in that when you stand in him in the promise. Let me give you another example here from Rudolph Tanzi. Uh, a th- Picture here, he's painting. He's going to use food as an example. But his point is, become conscious of anything. If you're unconscious, you're not going to make the change. If you're unconscious that your marriage is dying, you're not paying attention. You're not going to make a difference. But if you become conscious and pay attention, you can look at the world, your own life, and say, here's where I can make the change. And here's the new decision, the new story I've got today, the new belief I'm going to take. And so Rudolf Tanzi gives an example about food. And he says, when you do anything consciously, like eating, You override the brain's default setting and communicate directly with your higher brain, your conscious thought and action. So as he talks about, we eat unconsciously. We don't think about it. And so he says, here's a way to eat consciously and and pay attention so you're not just doing things on autopilot. So he says, number one, take a breath before your first bite. Two, ask, why am I eating this? Three, note or write your answer. And four, make a conscious decision to eat or not. Simple. Instead of going on autopilot, take a breath and ask, why am I eating this? He says, here's the reason to eat if your answer is because I'm hungry. Reason is not to eat if your answer was I'm bored, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. Other people are eating. Might as well clear my plate. I don't want this to go to waste. It's about becoming conscious in the moment Instead of, again, just going on autopilot like people do when they turn to the television when they're stressed and they just sort of, you know, space out and they're not in the moment and they can't make changes in that place let's go back to psalm 91 the next animal the young lion you shall trample underfoot the difference between the young lion and then the first lion mentioned the king of the jungle is the young lion is just not as strong so what he's saying is here you can face the big problems you can face the little problems the young lion is still strong just not as deadly as the full-grown lion but Those problems are still there. Profoundly, Dr. Tony Evans says this, if we are in search of a spiritual breakthrough, we have two options. First, we can choose to be broken and we can say, Lord, I want a blessing and a breakthrough. 
Please break me, strip me of my sin. I'm scared, but I trust you love me enough to know what I can handle. The second option is for God to break us without our permission. This option takes longer, hurts more, and delays the blessing and breakthrough. God didn't redeem us to leave us alone and let us miss his blessings. He loves us too much for that, and he placed a new wonderful life inside. He wants us to live it to the fullest. So, now let's look at the last creature here mentioned. This is the picture here of Psalm 91, 13 says, The serpent, or in the King James, the dragon you shall trample underfoot. That word is also sea monsters or monstrous creature. The idea here is, whether it's in our imagination or it's a real threat, the idea is an overwhelming fear. Certainly, Satan is referred to as the dragon, but it goes beyond that. It's a picture, again, of something that is just this overwhelming problem, overwhelming just intimidation, and the promise is even that you trample underfoot in Christ. You face that with his courage and his strength and prayer, and he overturns even the most bold, threatening situation. Here's some examples, again, of what happens when we move into the conscious place and say, I'm going to choose to live life differently, not in the fears and upsets, but in the confidence that I overcome, trample whatever the enemy brings into my life, the lions, the cobras, the dragons. Harvard study. They took students and had them watch a simple documentary. They took their blood before they did the, the viewing of the documentary and they took their blood afterwards the documentary was a, a story following Mother Teresa when they took the test of the blood after they watched the documentary they had antibodies that had increased in their bloodstream just by watching this movie think about that just being inspired watching somebody that shares love and peace it, it made the students healthier just watching that documentary it shows you the core of who we're meant to be, not in you know, fears and angers and confusions and competition, but to live in Christ, you know, that love, that joy, peace. Here's another example. British Medical Journal did a, a study about dementia, and, and this study has a pretty stunning result for one thing that can make all the difference. But, you know, one third of cases of dementia are preventable. Key factors in that are a healthy weight, reduce blood pressure, address diabetes, exercise, avoid smoking, reduce stress, reduce depression. But here's a key they found too. They said stay in school until you are 15. Maria Shriver shared this. Perhaps the major medical breakthrough of our time is the discovery that most, if not all, chronic disorders begin years earlier than the first symptoms. Some are 20 years in the making. So why would they say stay in school until you're 15? Well, as we're growing up, brain is growing, developing. The more you learn, the more the brain grows. You're adding new connections and pathways between neurons, strengthening your memory and your brain, especially during those formative years in the childhood and teenage years. Just putting new information into the brain makes it stronger. So think about that. What you did at 15 has an impact when you're in your 70s and 80s. What choices are we making today that if we do 
the wise choice is going to have a massive impact, not just physical health, but spiritual health, relationship-wise, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. On the opposite end, what are some things we have done we shouldn't have done that are going to impact our life or other people in a negative way for years to come? You see, again, it's about becoming conscious about choices, not getting caught up in you know the sway of the crowd, but rather saying, listen, I see the fears and the doubts, but I stand in Christ and in him I trample and tread upon the lion problems, the cobra problems, the dragon problems. Ellen Langer did fascinating studies out of Harvard. She wanted to know, could you reverse aging and extend longevity without drugs? Her most famous study was done at a monastery in New Hampshire in the 1980s. She took men in their 70s. They were given no promises about what to expect. They were just asked, would you participate in this experiment? So they said yes. These men were in their 70s. When they got to the monastery, everything looked like 1959. The music was Perry Cuomo. They had them dressed like they were in the 50s. Television was in black and white. There were newspapers around from 1959. They watched a movie, Anatomy of a Murder, released that year. They talked about sports centering on Mickey Mantle. Now, they tested them before they went in, and five days later, they tested them again. What happened? When they came out of that, they were stronger, they were healthier, they were happier, they looked younger, and amazingly, they had better eyesight. As Langer said, what matters here is what actually happened. Men who changed their perspective changed their bodies. They, they took men and said, you know, what was the happiest time? And for these men, the happiest, healthiest, they're in the 50s. So they put them in an environment to bring back those memories. And when they did, it had massive impact. You don't have to arrange everything in your environment to look like the best time. But you and I can stop and say, listen, I know things may be difficult now, but I remember a time, maybe it's six months or six years ago, whatever it is, where God came through in a way you wouldn't imagine. And I know if he did it then, he can do it now. And just putting yourself in that state, that place of faith, has tremendous benefits, not just spiritually, but physically, and it empowers you then to stand strong in him. Rudy Tanzi created Sparks Memory Radio for Alzheimer patients. What you do is you enter your birth date, and it plays songs from when you were 13 to 25 because studies show that's when you bond most emotionally to music during those years. What were the results? One man who hadn't spoken for months listened to five songs. And after five songs, he spoke, talked about girlfriend from his high school, a date they went on, and shared about that song. What's taking place here? Rudy says, this is the healing power of music, or more precisely, the healing power of our response to pleasurable memories. Again, you and I, at any moment when things seem overwhelming, can stop and say, let me go back to a moment where that faith was so strong, that prayer was answered so clearly. Bring that moment into today and stand in that same faith because, again, Christ is the same yesterday today forever and just as you could stand in the promise that you will trample a lion a cobra dragon in that moment of victory this can be that same moment of victory when you approach it with that same faith now here's an example of how we can step out of that unconscious life and become conscious simply stop and take a deep breath and when you do that realize that every minute you unconsciously breathe 20 times, but you can interrupt that unconscious process 
just by taking control of your thinking. And you can do that as well with the thoughts in your mind or anything else by just becoming aware. Here's the stunning one about Mary. He's done at Case Western, 10,000 men who were found to be at high risk of a heart attack. They were 20 times the risk of the average person of having a heart attack after they did all these studies. 10,000. They were able to cut their risk of a heart attack in half after following these men, the men who answered yes to this question. Their risk of heart attack cut in half. Here's the question they asked these men at high risk of a heart attack. Does your wife show you her love? Does your wife show you her love? For those that answered yes, risk of heart attack cut in half. Again, it shows you the core of who we are meant to be. That's why David says, you shall tread, you shall trample on what the enemy brings your way. Jesus told us the same thing in Luke 10. I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. Big lion problems, big dragon problems, overwhelming fears and doubts. You see that in our culture everywhere. Deadly, toxic, poisonous things. Poisonous to our spirit, to our relationship. You can trample on those in Christ when you stand in him, begin to pray in that way and live in that way, become that holy person. Joseph Carlyle in the 1600s said this about this psalm. Every child of God has his enemies. The lions, the adders, the dragons. But you shall tread upon them, not accidentally as a man treads on an adder, but thou shalt intentionally tread upon them like a conqueror. Or as Howard Strickland simply says, this is your spiritual victory. See, it has to be a place where we step away from the fears the beliefs that are simply not true, the stories that are not going to serve us any longer and say, listen, my old story might have been one of defeat and fear. My new story today is strength in Christ. And I approach the problems in life as a conqueror in him. Maybe overwhelming situations that have gone on for years and if you can simply take a moment and get conscious of how you're looking at it, get a new perspective, stand in a new sort of faith with strength knowing the authority Christ is offering you to come out of that situation victorious. To recognize the core, the importance of everything that Jesus said about love and peace found in him. That these are not simply words to inspire, but they impact not just our spirit, but our physical body and our relationships. Let me give you one final example from Erwin McManus as we close here this morning. I'll just read his words, but he says this. At my suggestion, our church ended up buying land. Another church helped us purchase the property. We then began obtaining building permits. Then a strange thing happened. Dallas labeled the property unbuildable. It was a landfill, worthless. We had bought an acre of garbage. Several core samples were taken. They went 25 feet deep and found nothing but trash. Words cannot express the despair that overwhelmed me. I had led people to buy an acre of garbage. All I could do was ask the congregation to pray with me, to believe that God was with us and that he would use even the worst of human mistakes to perform the greatest of miracles. 
We prayed for months, and the longer we prayed, the more foolish our requests seemed. Months later, a group of us were together. The question I dreaded was raised, what are you going to do with the landfill? There with us was a woman named Dolores Cube. She said, it is taken care of. We prayed and asked God to turn it into soil. There was a rush inside of me. I went back to the association. I asked them to take another core sample. They were no less than hostile, but for whatever reason agreed to. This time they found soil. I know what people think, no way. How did this happen? Was it a core sample from a different part of the land or could it be that God performed a miracle? What I do know is that the same realtor who sold the property to me came back and offered me three times the amount he sold it for. What I do know is that the previous owners could not build on the property, but we could. What I do know is that we were told the property was worthless and unusable. What I cannot tell you is what happened beneath the ground at 2815 South Avery Street. All I can tell you is what I know, and that is God took my failure and performed a miracle. The promise is he will do the same for you and for me.